Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi again, everybody, and welcome aboard. This is Dan Avone and Evan Giddings as we come to you on a Sunday, overcast, blustery, cold morning here in San Francisco. Ev, what's going on with you today? Not much, man. I feel like Mark Twain, right? The most cold winter I ever spent was in the summer of San Francisco. This is pretty much how it's going on all week, right? The fog's rolling in, peels off around midday, so from 9 to 1, you got to stick with us through the cold Huddle up next to a fire. Huddle up. Do people even do fires anymore? I don't know if they have gas, electric, whatever you got. Huddle up and listen to Dan and E. I'll tell you what, you know, I'll take it, though. As cold as it is, and I know it's July and it's ridiculous, right? But the rest of the world, and I mean this, is burning up. The northern hemisphere, it's like 100. I got friends out in Paris. Like, it's 105 out here. That never happens. London, their airport, Logan Airport, the the literally the runway was melting out there. I mean, I don't know what's going on. Don't want to go down this rabbit hole of global warming, but I'll I'll take I'll take the 55 in the Transylvania-esque weather here in San Francisco. By the way, the San Francisco Marathon going on behind us. That's wrapping up this morning. Congratulations to all you coconuts who decided to do that thing. That ain't me. <laughs> so, Ev, before we get into the San Francisco Giants, and we'll sort of take our time before we we just get into that funeral because that thing is just going from bad to worse. Man, what happened? Second half of the season, all that level of excitement and the tease you gave us with the walk-off home run by Yastrzemski, the grand slam. You take care of Milwaukee three out of four, and then you just limp into the second season. But before we do any of that, IFL comes to an end. That would be Indoor Football League and the Bay Area Panthers wrap up their season right here on 95-7 The Game. What was the experience like? My man, of course, Evan Giddings doing the play-by-play. How'd it go? It was a lot of fun. It was a great opportunity, and it was a disappointing season for sure. Record was what it was, 1-15. They won their first game, didn't win a game after that the the remainder of the year. But as a play-by-play guy, getting to get my feet wet here in the market, it was fantastic. And for a team in its inaugural season, they have everything, in my opinion, in place to be successful as far as great facilities, a good front office, a good coaching staff that I'm sure they're going to rework throughout this offseason. But for someone who you know, has done play-by-play around the country at, at various levels from professional to college, high school, um, to be able to get in here and work with a football team here in the Bay Area, one in which in a lot of ways is kind of an extension of the San Jose Sabercats moving arena football has been a big part of the Bay Area, especially in sort of this this off season where you got baseball, NFL's done, basketball's done. It allows for a lot of people to enjoy some family 
friendly entertainment as far as the financials concerned and to be a big part of that was a lot of fun especially to do it here on 95.7 the game yeah I, I really don't give a crap about the team I hope they get better I want to talk about you <laughs> and that career of yours so you know one of the one of the good lessons that I think was sort of learned in all of this for you one of the most difficult things to do as a play-by-play person I think and you tell me if I'm wrong is that it's easy when a team's going well right it's it's never easy when you're stepping behind the mic, especially when you're learning and doing play-by-play. But I, I should say it's easier. And when a team is struggling, and when I'm talking about the Panthers getting blown out and you're trying to keep people's level of interest in that third and fourth quarter, trying to sugar a game when the, dis- when the outcome has already been decided, that is one of the most difficult things because you have to maintain a level of interest and I think getting thrown into that fire might have been beneficial for you. What do you think? Oh, I think so. I mean, I kind of feel like Dave Fleming right now for the Giants as opposed to 2021, right? You're going to the yard every single day. You're expecting your team to win and then they usually do, especially last year, two times out of three if not more and then this season you don't really know what happened. So the last couple of days in LA, I imagine the way that Flem and the whole crew down there is feeling is maybe the way I felt for Not three days, but for 13 weeks. So it automatically makes you a better broadcaster because, like you said, you got to sugarcoat things. You got to find a way to make games interesting that, at least on a surface level or not, are not. It's a little easier to do in baseball, maybe even basketball to some extent. But in football, when the you know team is running up and down the field and there's not really any pauses in the game, you got to find a way to spruce things up. All right, so let's get into this thing. All right, San Francisco Giants lose their third straight to the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're in danger of getting swept out there in La La Land today. Another just ho-hum performance, lackluster on the part of the offense. They made it somewhat interesting at the the bottom of the ninth, two outs, and they came up with two scratch runs. But for the most part, it's basically, you know, thank you, aloha, good night, we lose again. 4-2 is the final count. As the Dodgers take it to San Francisco, Julio Urias, who is just owns the Giants, he was effective, the left-hander. San Francisco did have some success later, as I mentioned in the game, against some of the relievers. But let's just start right there. The San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers. I just want to get into the disparity between the two teams. I don't know how this Giant team did it. You know what I'm beginning to think of? As much as we look at this season as, wow, what a disappointment. What happened to the Giants? What do they need to do to get better? This is a team that's got to be a buyer as the trade deadline is coming up. A disappointment, certainly comparatively speaking, from a year ago. And then I look at this roster, and I'm beginning to think, you know what? Farhan and Kaplan, maybe you guys should be the general manager slash manager of the year again. Because I have no idea how the hell you're staying competitive. With one of the oldest, most unathletic baseball teams I've seen in recent memory, I think the narrative in this shouldn't be that this is a disappointing season, but when you look at that team that they're rolling out every day, how the hell are you even staying in the conversation to go into the playoffs? How the hell are you even being relevant? Because this team stacked up against the Dodgers is so clearly inferior. That's the million-dollar question because right now the San Francisco Giants are somehow still two games out of a wild-card spot. I know they're two games above five hundred. But they are right there in the thick in the thick of things as far as playoff contention is concerned. And right now, where I'm at, and what where I kind of felt like I I was at with the Giants last year, but it's somewhat irrefutable based on the amount of wins they accumulated. The Giants are a good team. I don't think they're horrendous. 
maybe they're a little bit above average. They are, as the record says, they are. They are a good team. The Dodgers are a great team, potentially a historic team. When they brought in Freddie Freeman in the offseason, people started to look at him like, hey, they started to compare him to Murderer's Row. They started to compare him to the great you know, offensive teams of the 90s, of the early 2000s, the mid-90s Indians. Like This team has some heavy, heavy hitters. And you saw it last night against Alex Wood. I was talking with our guy Brian in the back earlier before the show. And he said, you know, Wood didn't, didn't pitch too bad, right? He struck out five in a row before he so gave up the back Brian belongs. Bombs. Brian belongs in the back, but go ahead. <laughs> But he's not hes not wrong here because Alex Wood didn't pitch poorly. He didn't pitch great. No. He threw four innings. He threw 96 pitches. The, like the Dodgers just outworked the Giants at the plate, in the field, on the mound, and that's why the Giants are looking at potentially a four-game sweep, and the Dodgers are looking at the Giants like, you guys are just another team. Let's take a look at the starting lineups just side-by-side. Side. Last night's game as well as today's game. Leading these off for the San Francisco Giants, say hello to Anthony Slater, center field. Yeah, Slater's having a good season. Stanford zone. Yeah, he might be the most effective player for the San Francisco Giants, but he's, I mean. At the plate. Comparatively, Austin Slater. What did I say? Aaron? Anthony. All right. That's kind of where we're at with the Giants, right? Yeah, right? right? <laughs> Austin Slater. I'm sorry, Austin. This, I botched your first name. You are definitely Austin, the pride of Stanford, and the guy that's, you know, He's pretty good, but he's a guy that's he's platoon. If you're a left-hander, he's going to get the start. Urias is on the, on the bump, so he gets an opportunity. Let's just take a look at him side-by-side. Side. The leadoff hitter with the Los Angeles Dodgers is a guy by the name of Mookie Betts. He's a future Hall of Famer. That pound for pound, arguably one of the top. Matter of fact, according to War and the Sabermetrics, the number two overall, the number two most effective player in all of Major League Baseball. Batting second for the Giants, Wilmer Flores. Again, having a good season. Nice player. Platoon guy. Any other team? Yeah, same kind of guy. Maybe he gets in some days and he fa- he's facing, again, left-handed hitting. The number two guy for that of the Los Angeles Dodgers is Trey Turner. Another potential Hall of Famer. And a guy that's getting MVP votes a year ago, Trey Turner, pound for pound, the best shortstop in the game. Trey Turner, again, statistically ranked amongst the top three players in Major League Baseball. Batting third for the Giants, Darren Ruff. Again, mm. another knockaround guy. Not good in the field. All right at the plate. It was in the KBO a couple years ago. Darren Ruff. Hitting third for the Dodgers, Freddie Freeman. Again, another future Hall of Famer. Again, according to War and the Sabermetrics, one of the top five players in all of Major League Baseball. Then we get down to Evan Longoria, an old man who's just crumpling in front of our very eyes. Will Smith, fresh-faced, up-and-coming star for the Dodgers at, at catcher. I can go on. Brandon Belt, broken down at first base. The old Texan. Well, Alberto, they're designated hitter. Maybe we give the advantage there to the Giants. But you see where I'm going. Tyro Estrada, Max Muncie. I mean, right on down to Cody Bellinger, Luis Gonzalez. It's almost unfair when you think about just how good. Now, is that more of an indictment on how good the Dodgers are? Because that lineup is ridiculous. Or is it just how ho-hum the San Francisco Giants are a team that's void of that everyday superstar? I think it's a little bit of both because you could even take, if you really want to dissect the Dodgers lineup, you could look at a couple of guys that have been severely underachieving this year. I'm looking at Max Muncy, who's hitting 157. I'm looking at Cody Bellinger. Granted, he was the hero a, a couple of nights ago with the eighth inning Grand Slam. He's hitting 209. He's got an OPS below Mendoza. And so there are guys on that team that have underachieved. But the difference is, to me, the Dodgers continue to inject 
fresh blood into their lineup every single season. Now it's obviously far, you know, thicker, uh, AB negative, whatever, more rare blood than the Giants are able to get into their lineup each offseason. But not much was done this past summer. San Francisco comes off seven, or the last fall, I should say, 107 wins. They go within a strike of the Dodgers in Game 5 of the NLDS. And what do they do? They largely run it back. Outside of Buster Posey leaving, they bring all their players back. They say, hey, we're okay with whatever the next season is going to be. I don't think that they projected themselves to be as mediocre as they are this season. But when you look at the Dodgers, you see a team that you almost expect 100 wins out of. Anything less is a disappointment, and they find ways to not disappoint because the one thing that you know we talk about with the Warriors and how great they are, the one thing that they do is they have some sort of minimal turnover each and every year that revitalizes the locker room, that revitalizes the lineup, that revitalizes the rotation. And the Dodgers have done this each of the past three, four, five years where Sure, they have their top-heavy guys. They have their all-stars. They have their Hall of Famers, as you described. But they also find ways to bring in new names. You know, I can also point to ones that didn't work, like a guy like Trevor Bauer last year, who was coming off a Cy Young campaign. They thought he was going to be a one. That didn't work. Max Scherzer in the playoffs didn't work for them. But they try and bring in new faces to at least switch things up. And the Giants, to me, are just kind of like an old car that last year was running extremely well. Ran into some issues in the offseason earlier this year, starting to get broken down. And instead of saying, yeah, we're going to switch out some pieces, like they just almost say, okay, we're going to run until the tank's on empty and figure out and what to do from there. And I, I don't have the answer. It's a little unrealistic. Yeah. When you look back at last year, and not that last year was just simply one of those, you know, lightning strikes, the planets were aligned, but there was, and you hate using this word, and applying it to professional sports, especially a team that had enjoyed as much success as that of the Giants, but you wonder about luck being involved here. When you think about some of the measurements in terms of pinch-hitting home runs where they set a record a year ago, they led Major League Baseball in pinch-hit home runs. One-run affairs more than anybody in baseball. Two-run affairs more than anybody in baseball. Their record against teams that were sub-500, something like 72-7. and seven. Now, not that it was lucky, but sometimes Major League Baseball, you get the mojo. Sometimes that's that's with you for a year. And and not that, you know, not that any of us expected them to win 107 games again, but I think that the common man, and certainly Farhan as well as Kapler, a lot smarter than me when it comes to assessing their own team, had to realize that, yeah, it's doubtful we'll get anywhere near that again. And this is a team that's coming much, much more closer and fulfilling the sort of level of expectations when you expect and you look through or you expect when you look through and you wait just about individually every one of those guys in that starting lineup. Here's the other thing with the Los Angeles Dodgers because the Dodgers are the best organization and you're right. It's not that they just go out Ev, and purchase the best because they have the money to do that. Magic Johnson, the company will write those checks, but it's the player development. They do this at the minor league level, and they just churn guys out. It's not that we will – they'll go out and get Juan Soto, and it makes more – I don't know if they will, but if they do get in the market for Juan Soto, it makes more sense for them because he be just comes another piece of an already talented team. If it's the Giants, you got Juan Soto, you've gutted everything else, and it's Juan Soto and what, a bunch of – it's like eight of the coconut. Juan Soto and who? Slater and Flores and Darren Ruff. It makes no sense. But if he's in right field with the Dodgers – 
oh, it's Juan Soto, it's Cody Bellinger, it's Mookie Betts, it's it's Freeman, it's Trey. Yeah, he he slide him in. My point in all of this is, is the Dodgers right now are just the premier organization. I don't know if Farhan created that back in his day, but right now it starts at the top. And it also has the underlying foundation that they do it at the minor league level and they develop players and they have an excess, an excess of talent at that minor league level. You look back. Did you want to get in on that? Say oh, something. no. Go for it. When you look back at the trade deadline, they always get, you know, this is historically, you go back to 2017, I think they got you Darvish and they gave up top draft picks. The following year, Manny Machado, they read it him. We want Machado. Come on down. They gave up draft picks. Last year, Trey Turner, Max Scherzer. They have an excess of draft picks. And let me ask you this. How many of those picks, that potential, oh, my goodness, give me those draft picks, have come back to haunt them? I'll answer that for you. None. None, which, which just goes to my point. And if you listen to me, it's all about proven talent as opposed to unproven talent. So, I can go on and on about the Dodgers. I want to hear from you, though, when we talk about the team from the Southland. No, but I do think there is a good point there, and this, to me, is where I, I have some questions about Farhan. I, I don't doubt his mastery as far as putting together a major league lineup. I know it hasn't been that way this year, but last year I absolutely proved that there there is proof in his pudding that he can get it done. The question that I have is how will you develop your farm system. How will I, I? I know that people have been throwing around the whole. Okay, we inherited the 29th best farm system in the country, turned it into the 11th, which it currently is according to MILB.com. But my question is, from there, once you get your players in, how do you get them to the elite level, the all-star level that the Dodgers, as you put together, have repeatedly produced on their side? I'm look, and that's why also teams they want prospects in the Dodgers system. It's not just like, okay, we have a bunch of guys and we're going to go out and use them to go get Machado, to go get Trey Turner, to go get Mookie Betts. Everyone that trades with the Dodgers wants pieces in the Dodgers system. There's a reason why the Nationals want Kybert Ruiz, an up-and-coming catcher, switch hitter who's now with the Nationals. There's a reason why when you know the A's make a trade with the Dodgers, they want to get Frankie Montas. There are certain organizations that develop from within better than anyone else in the league. The Dodgers are among that group. I'm also looking at a group like the Cardinals. There's a reason why Sandy Alcantara is one of the best arms in the country right now for the Marlins. It wasn't because he came up in Miami system. It's because he was developed in St. Louis. And that is something that the Giants will have to answer in the next couple of years. How are you going to get your guys ready to compete at the big league level? Because it starts, whether fans want to hear it or not, in the first three levels of their career, which is single, double, and triple A. I guess I misspoke. The text line is... Correcting me here that the Giants were 72 and 27. Did I say 72 and 7? Well, it felt like it 72 like, and 7. Yeah, come on. All right. I'll tell you what, they're not this year. Yeah, no doubt. So the other thing about the Dodgers, and then I want to move off on the blue because I don't like them. I'll tell you, I'm born and raised in San Francisco, and I know it sounds childish. I can't stand them. I see Freddie Freeman, and he's Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, that. Uh, you don't like the Smurf suits last Cody night? Cody Bellinger. You know, they got some of the most. Punchable faces in all of sports. Just, maybe that's just that Dodger hatred that's, that's part of the blue. I don't like him. But I do appreciate, and I got re- to respect, right, that this is a team that's they're doing it, and everybody else is trying to be like that of Los Angeles. They don't, they don't even have to get involved in the trade deadline. They will, simply because they just run away and hide from people. Yeah. But they're getting dudes back. They, 
they're playing this year without Walker Bueller. Yep. Uh, Blake Trinan, who's one of the best relievers, is coming back. Kershaw's missed time. Oh, Dustin May can get it up there at 100 miles an hour. He's coming back. Gratterall's coming back. They've they've done this missing key guys, which is just not fair. So it, they, they yeah. have a lineup to salivate over. They have a roster to salivate over. Now the question is, how can the Giants take some of that as they you know poach Farhan from L.A. to come up to San Francisco to rework this process to get the Giants out of the state that they were in 2016-17, and it starts to me with recognizing what you have. So last year, right, whether you want to call it lucky, you want to call it a fluke, whatever you want to call it, that's that's the the head side of the coin. That's the plus side of the coin. This year we're starting to see the the chasm of the coin, right? When you flip it, what do you end up on? Guys that reached their potential last year, this year, it seems like everyone is having a career low year and that's the other side of, you know, the money ball or the the sabermetric approach, whatever you want to call it. This is what happens. But the bright side of that is if this is your chasm, you're still technically an above 500 club that's in the middle of a wild card race. I know I know people may not want to look at it like that because you're not outplaying the Dodgers, you're not even outplaying the Padres. But if you're looking at the lowest the lowest point, the lowest point of what the Giants are, this isn't a bad spot to be. 48 and 46, even though I think they likely take an L today and they probably get swept by the Dodgers. No, you're right. And we have to maintain that they're, what, just a game, maybe two games now out of the two games behind the Cardinals for the, that last playoff spot. But let me ask you this. Ev, what's the future of this team? Are we going forward with Flores? Are you going forward with Darren Ruff? I mean, when you think about this organization and you think about it in the years to come, is this something to get excited about? I'm trying to... I'm not. I'm not trying to be cute here. I'm just trying to put my arms around what is the foundation. Who are these guys, and where is this team headed? Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you, and I do. And that's my issue with this team is I'm not. I'm not saying you should just pack it up and try and lose as much as possible and rebuild that way if if you don't have the requisite pieces. But the issue for me is that the Giants have they have too many stop gaps in their roster right now. They, they have too many players that I think neither you nor I envision being on this quote-unquote developed from within core, this homegrown core that that the Dodgers have currently, that other teams have currently, that the Giants are trying to get to. The whole process of wait, we got our guys coming up through the minors, and then we'll add pieces from the outside once we get our dudes up. Well, how many of the guys on this roster, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking four years down the line, I'm looking at 2022, how many guys on this roster can you see being plus pieces in the future, a part of that homegrown core? I don't see many. I do see some platoon players, a guy like Austin Slater. That's the mold that Farhan can use to build for the future. But you need to have you need to have everyday players. Like you can't just be putting puzzle pieces together every single day. And as much as I I get what Kapler and Co are doing right now, trying to kind of you know, finagle their way through wins and you know plug and play here, platoon there, good matchup here, good matchup there. There's there's too much of that. As much as the Dodgers also play that way, they have their lefty lineup, they have their righty lineup, they have a lot of guys that play 130, 140 games if they're healthy 
per season. Even if the Giants weren't hit by the litany of injuries that they've have been this year, I don't see enough of the players on the roster right now that to me are 130 plus game players, aka everyday starters. And so you need to identify if you're Farhan, if you're a fan, who you want from this roster who you can envision being on the team in three years, and maybe that's a question we need to look at. I'd say none of them. And that's not – I'm not trying to be that guy in indictment of the Giants. I just say that this is a team that – you know, Logan Webb, that's about it. Yeah. And then everybody else is disposable. But if you can give me an anchor, right, you can go out and get an Aaron Judge. If Soto comes here, it's doubtful. You give me an anchor, and I I think I'm with you. I think that this is about getting – the foundation is still at double-A and an A-ball. If Matos can hit, if Luciano can suddenly, when I say hit, not necessarily literally hit the ball, but hit in terms of being a star, Luciano, Matos, Kyle Harrison, by the way, I think it was last night or two nights ago, you hear this? He struck out nine consecutive hitters. This dude is He's incredible. Left-hander seems to be the real deal. All right, let's get to our man out in Jersey. Mitch is standing by. Mitch, my man on a Sunday. How are you? What's going on with, with things out on the uh, East Coast? Oh, how are you, how are you, how are you guys doing? It's, it's about a hundred out, out here. Man, I'm including the internet, it's too much. And I talk about football training. Hey, you didn't, you didn't play the golf on this. I know. Uh, I, you, I, you know, I'm not sure if Cam has. Cam, you got uh, intro music there for. Uh, it's all right. Cam, Cam is relatively new. We got some. We got the Sopranos from my man Mitch, but that's all right. Mitch, you okay? If we don't give you the intro, you're gonna be all right. Not a problem. You know, I've never seen the Sopranos or golf on. <laughs> well, those movies good. Because uh, we have enough violence in the, in the world. Um, yeah, you, I, I hope the Giants can get a sort of. It kind of reminds you of Elena Cepeda. I know I'm going a little before your time. But you say that, you say the Dodgers are homegrown. If you look at that lineup, two thirds of that lineup is uh, were via trades or free agency. And I always told me that I don't want to see them trade. The financials got a lot to ask for. They have the oil leverage. I think the Dodgers begin with too many guys. They made some mistakes. The Trevor Bauer, uh, they let go of Corey. They were they were they were playing cheap with with Harper and Nelson. Uh, they were basing with the cards. He been perfect. Uh, Arenado, his name, Arenado. So they didn't have Bowman. Then Muncy's having a bad year. It was Corey. I think Corey reminds you of uh, Todd Hollinsworth back in the uh, late eighties and early nineties. He's a, he's a he's a platoon player. I don't like to swing at all. I wish they had Kevin there. And now Trey Turner might walk. They got they have to do something like that. So they, they trade for Trey and um, Max last year. And they're both gone. And they give up uh, Ruiz. I don't know. It's not all uh, roses with the Dodgers. They won one time in the last 13 years. You know, you guys have won on the evenings, you know, three times since 2010. But then you stopped in 2016. Um, um, I know what's going with Belt. But you got to get, get more, you know, develop your, your players there in the minors. I would think. All right, my man, Mitch, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Mitch, spot on there. Yeah, and the Do- he's right. The Dodgers have been underwhelming when you think about just how good that team is, especially during the regular season. But as far as the Giants are concerned, that's the organization. Because to me, when it gets to winning World Series and when it gets to being successful in the postseason, you just want to be able to get there. Then things fall in line. Like, just take care of business once you get there. But being in the conversation or just – Getting to that postseason, then things have to take care of itself. And they've fallen short. But as of being dominant during the regular season and owning the National League West, it's been L.A. for a decade plus. We're going to continue the talk. 
about the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants as they conclude the four-game set today. More on the Giants and what is it that they need to do. Do you want to get in on the Juan Soto sweepstakes? Or how about Shohei Otani coming this, this way? All right, we're just getting started. My man Evan Giddings, Dan Avone, 95-7 the game rolls along after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now back to 95.7 The Game. It's Evan Giddings. It's Dan Devone on a overcast, chilly Sunday morning here in San Francisco. The day of the San Francisco Marathon, which is just concluding right behind us here in beautiful Battery Street. As the Giants losers again last night, 4-2 to the Los Angeles Dodgers now trying to avoid the sweep today. On the mound, who they got pitching today, Ev? Got my guy Alex Cobb against the one Clayton Kershaw. So actually a pretty good pitching matchup here on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, so Kershaw, the veteran, who got the start, by the way, in this year's All-Star game, which was played once again in Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, I'll say this about L.A. And, you know, my roots are here in Northern California, so I'm reluctant to say these sort of things. But I do have to tip my hat. When it comes to L.A. sports, they don't push reset. They never do. There's no such thing as rebuild. In L.A., you don't succeed. If you're the Rams, you, you win now. Sean McVay doesn't have a, a first-round draft pick, I think, until uh, your firstborn, who I don't know who that <laughs> kid is. It'll be another 25 years before they have a first-round pick. He's mortgaged the future. He's about Jalen Ramsey winning right now. He's about getting guys like Stafford winning right now. He's about getting Vaughn Miller so you can win right now. How many first-round picks you want? They're all yours. 
I live in L.A. I got to feed the beast. This is Tinseltown. We can't wait. This crowd arrives late, and they leave early, and they want winners. They don't believe in a rebuild. So the Rams go out, and they win right now, and God bless, they did exactly that. Super Bowl champions, and they did it their way, feeding what it is that L.A. demands. Same thing with the Lakers. Now, it didn't work out, but they cashed all in on Westbrook, who turned out to be a complete idiot. That didn't work in L.A., but... But you can understand they went and got LeBron. They're looking to win right now. They get rid of their rookies. Lonzo Ball, yeah, we love you. Sorry we can't hang out. Brandon Ingram, sorry, you got to develop somewhere else. We're looking to win right now. Same with the Los Angeles Dodgers. You want draft picks? Here you go. You want Who do you need? We need a third baseman, Manny Machado. What do you need? We need Trey Turner. What do you need, Washington? We want Max Scherzer. What do you need? They look to win World Series now. They look for Super Bowls now. They look for NBA titles right now. I can appreciate L.A. on that level, that it is about – it is the future is now. They're not one of those teams that says, stay with us. Three to five years from now, we'll be competitive. Well, and you spent some time in Tinseltown, so I, I kind of defer to you in the sense of what is so alluring about Hollywood, about the just like the aura that is L.A. Because whether or not we believe it up here in NorCal, there is something extremely attractive and almost magnetizing about L.A. to the sense that they can go mortgage those picks, all those franchises. They can sell their future because they know that people will keep coming back, not just the fans, as we see by the numerous sellouts at Dodger Stadium and, you know, the old Lakers. Like, what is so god darn great about L.A.? It's it's perfect for the player market. It's sunny. Listen, athletes want to be actors. Actors want to be athletes. That scenario has mm. existed since the dawn of time. You're one step from Hollywood you have the ability to market yourself. Again, you're in Los Angeles. You have the beaches. It's, it's, it's stardom, man. It's, it is the vortex of where you want to be as an athlete, as an actor. It is the epicenter of look at me, I have arrived. Now, it depends on your sort of lifestyle, whether it's New York and or Los Angeles, but those are the two markets. Either you want to be on, you either want to be on Madison Ave or Broadway Ave out in New York or you want to be on Santa Monica Beach or on Hollywood Boulevard out in Los Angeles if it's in the Southern California. There's no in-between to a lot of people. That's when you arrived, either L.A. or New York. They also happen to be, respectively, the number one and two media markets in all of the world. So you know if you can do it in L.A., everybody's watching. You know you're going to get paid, and you know you're going to get endorsements, and you know that your name is now going to resonate much further than beyond sort of the region with which in you play which happens to a lot of players out in St. Louis and Colorado and, and the Detroits of the world. L.A. is a different animal. New York is a different animal. Well, we got to find a way to get people to start looking at Embarcadero like they do, okay? <laughs> looking at Third and King the way that they do these major L.A. I understand there's history behind it. There's a difference. San Francisco is what it is. But I just I can't. And maybe, maybe this is the home, hometown kid bias, but I, I can't see why there is such a, a chasm between the allure of L.A. and specifically their teams and where they play as opposed to, okay, well, you're right up here in San Francisco. You're in a major tech market. You're in a major financial area. There are plenty of places for you to develop yourself away from the field. 
and maybe there's just not enough red carpets in this city. Maybe it's maybe LA's putting on a bunch of parties where right now San Francisco's running a marathon, right? Like we got people out here at 7 a.m. crazy folk running in the cold and 55 degree weather, stunting 16 miles. I don't know if they have that in LA because honestly, people are right now waking up and grabbing their coffee, expecting a win because that is is the difference to me. Maybe not in the cities, but certainly in the team right now between the Giants and the Dodgers. If I'm a Dodgers fan, I wake up and I expect to win. If I'm a Giants fan, I wake up and I don't expect to lose, but I don't know what the hell is going to happen. We might put up 12 runs today. The Giants might put up zero. The Giants might get no hit today by Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> like, that's where I'm at with the San Francisco That is the Giants. optimism we love here. <laughs> I, so you're talking about people getting up in Los Angeles. Let me tell you what they do. They get up, right? They get that little latte going. They they stuff some little dog, some chihuahua in some Gucci purse. They walk down the Santa Monica Pier or they go to the local Starbucks. They talk about Botox. They wink and smile and let's say, let's do lunch and kiss each other on the cheek. I'm telling you, man, L.A. And by the way, the text line's going up from Northern California, but the girls are hotter, hotter in L.A. Yeah, he may have just summed it up. They got more sun. I mean, you're come on. The, the sundress weather in San Francisco just as impressive as in L.A. That's all I'll say. Listen, I've grown up in this city, and I don't know if it, it was hatred when I was younger. I don't know if it was hatred as much as it is envy or jealous. I recognize, man, it's 85 down there. Everybody's pretty. Everybody's good-looking. When I grew up, I'd go out to Candlestick. Literally, there's like 15 other bananas like me out there just fighting each other, freezing, a bunch of lunatics. And then I looked down at Southern California Dodger games. There's like 52,000 fans. Vin Scully, everybody's beautiful. Hair's perfectly quaffed. It's like 75 degree, and I'm huddled with like 800 bananas here at Candlestick Park. And <laughs> That's how I grew up. I hate you, Tommy Lasorda. I hate everything about the Los Angeles Dodgers. But I'm also envious in terms of the way they do it. But I'll never trade. I mean, now I've traded my hatred for Tommy Lasorda. Hey, my man, Cam, can you just tell me who's replaced Tommy Lasorda now as the most hateful guy as far as I'm concerned in the Los Angeles Dodger uniform? Thank you. I've always told you guys how much I love the Braves (laughs) in this city. And I thought I loved this city and this organization a lot. But I think you can tell how much I truly do love this organization and this city. You gotta play baseball. I'm sorry, I laughed. And thirty million dollars is what I make every year. Freddie Freeman, give me a break, buddy. You want to cry, dude? I know a guy's driving. He's driving the 22 Fillmore on a 12-hour shift bus driver. And that dude, you think he's you think he's got tear crocodile tears for you? He can waste on you, Freddie Freeman. You have replaced Tommy Lasorda as the now the most hated Los Angeles Dodger. And I need that. Because I need my hate. That's what rivalries are all about. So thank you, Freddie Freeman and Cody Bellinger and Will Smith and Gavin Lux. All you dudes look like you just got cut out of some sort of a Macy's ad or on some runway, and now you're playing with the Dodge. Why do every one of those dudes look like they're straight out of Huntington Beach or Laguna Beach? I mean, sometimes the area fits the player. I get it. And again, this is envy. I need grizzled veterans like Darren Ruff, who belongs like in a softball league. Or give me Brandon Belt, who looks like he got, you know, somebody threw a typewriter and nailed him in the face 15 times. Give me those sort of guys that I can identify with. You want me to stop? I will. No, who was the last guy in the Dodgers that looked like he stripped corn for a living? I mean, (laughs) you you can't name any of them. And especially Freddie Freeman. I know he's he's down in the South. He loves Atlanta. Apparently he loves Atlanta. I, I do have a question for you, this, though, as far as 
the guy that now you're throwing the, the the darts at on your board, Freddie Freeman, he's sitting there with the bullseye. You got a bunch of darts in his face. My question is, why is he so mad? Why is he so sad? His agent did exactly what his agent is supposed to do, which is get him paid. He tried to get him paid three years ago in Atlanta. Yeah. Right? Freddie Freeman said, I don't want 120. I want 150. So his agent says, okay, well, you know, we can get you 150. The West Coast, you're going there. Now, I know there was some shady behind the behind the door dealings of the way it went down, but I, I cannot fault in a way his agent for doing what he did. And that's why I'm so like, I understand Freddie Freeman is, you know, he's, he's emotionally invested. He's close to Atlanta. You want to be the guy for all time, but now you get a chance to do it in your hometown. Quit crying. No doubt. No doubt. Man, he's just, he's terrible. He's a hell of a baseball player, but he's so representative of LA. And he's a nice guy by all accounts. He, really is, yeah. he is supposedly like one of the nicest dudes in all the major league baseball, but suitable for LA. Explain this to me, man. I have never seen a team that has been this bad defensively in my entire life. Usually when you talk about bad defense, it's for a game or two. This is epic, man. And usually bad defense is attributed to football, right? Like, why can't this team win? Eh, that defense is just bad, man. They just give up too many points. It's attributable. Certainly it's applicable to that of the NBA. Ah, defense just they, – yeah, they can't D up, man. These, these dudes give up 100-plus every night. Baseball, not so much. When you think about, usually it's bad pitching. Usually it's deficient hitting. But to me, when I think about the San Francisco Giants, it's sort of an anomaly because it's like defense is your Achilles heel. And I don't know how to fix that. I I don't know. I mean, I've never – how do you – what is it you do midseason in terms of getting better defensively? Well, midseason, you can't really do much at all. <laughs> no, th- this is this is the issue, right? This is the other side of that coin, the darker side that doesn't get to see the 85-degree sun in L.A., all right? This is the shadow that the Giants are under right now because, to me, you discussed it in football. If you have a bad defense, that could be somewhat what of a you know coordinator issue. It could be a scheme issue. It could be a lack of talent because you don't play both ways. In basketball, you have to play both ways. You don't have an option if you're a bad defensive player and set in certain situations to get sugged out towards the end of games. If you're a good defensive team, does not mean you are a good offensive team. In baseball, this is the one area where, to me, a bad defense means you're a bad team because mm. it's not like you're making... Like, mental errors happen. I understand you, you you throw it to the wrong cutoff guy. You know, you make the wrong decision as far as where the ball is supposed to go. Um, you, there's, there's double play miscommunication. All that, I get it. But when you are missing fly balls in the outfield, when you're not able to field a ground ball, when your pitcher's not covering first base, when your guys aren't backing up where they're supposed to be, like, that is the sign that you are in need of help. And the Giants cannot, in my opinion, find any unless they go out and they are buyers at the deadline, like I think they should be, like potentially a lot of people around this station think they should be, but not on the Juan Soto level, Mm. not on the Shohei Otani level, a guy or two that can come in and play sound, crisp baseball, because the two areas that the Giants were nails last season, I know they had the walk-off wins, they had the great comebacks, they beat up on the Diamondbacks, but the two things they did. They pitched specifically in the bullpen. When a guy came out of the bullpen, they were nails. You did not expect them to give up a run, nevertheless a base runner. 
And also, their defense, they played gold glove defense around the diamond. Yeah. And they do not do that this year, even though they have similar players. So to me, this is the, the biggest you know, kind of shadow over the Giants right now is they can't get guys out when they come out of the bullpen and they can't play consistent enough defense to keep themselves in games, whereas their offense, I don't think their offense has been as bad as we... It's number five overall in Major League Baseball in terms of production, so you're right. They do score runs, but all of those close games, those one runs, the ones they've been losing this year, that's the difference. It's the margins, and they don't have a great bullpen right now. Starting pitching's been okay, but their defense, like... If you're giving up an extra run per week, an extra two runs per week, that is going to lose you ball games, And that is why the Giants, to me, are where they are, which is a question mark. Yeah, and I think to that point, the starting pitching's actually been good. Yeah. And should the Giants somehow get into the postseason, I don't know that you want to play them. When you shrink that rotation, rotation you go Rodon and you go Logan Webb, that, hey, listen, Giants, you got a puncher's chance. But it's just getting there that's going to be the challenge. But you're right. Major League Baseball, when you think about it, so if we were to make this analogous to the NFL, we're going to talk 49er football coming up in just a bit. By the way, our man, uh, Mr. Eric Crocker, is going to join us in about an hour. Eric Crocker, of course, from Locked On Niners. We'll get into the Jimmy Garoppolo talk. But speaking of Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers, right? when you think about a football team, it's usually quarterback-centric. Who's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback? Okay, what's the second-best position? Well, or most important position, who's protecting that quarterback? Who's your left guard, right? When it comes to baseball in 2022, got a hit, yeah, but you need a bullpen. That's the world we live in. It's so specialized. Who's your setup? Who's your setup to the setup? Who's closing? If you don't have that in order, you can't play with the big boys. There's just no dancing around that the way the game schematically is put together in 2022. So I'm with you. The biggest difference to me is the defense from a year ago, which to your point essentially is the same guys, and they don't have a bullpen, whereas last year, Leon comes in, you're like, game over. Tyler Rogers, I feel comfortable. Hand it to Jake McCheese and or give it to Camilo Duvall. We're good to go. I, you know, you get that feeling like this is this is going to work out. These guys get it done. Now they come out of the game and like, eh, I'm getting the hell out of here because this is going to get ugly. Yeah, example A. Friday morning, I walk in. Steiny and Goo are talking about what they're talking about, and I, I I say, Hey Goo, how do you feel about Doval when he comes into the game? And he says, I I love his stuff, but I don't trust him to get outs because I don't know. If he even trusts himself to get outs, like that's that's kind of where we're at. Like we're we're questioning everything that I'm sure the Giants are as well. Now maybe there's less of that in the clubhouse, but I I don't know if Doval trusts his fastball. I don't know if he knows how to locate his slider. Hopefully these are things that as a young twenty something year old he can get better at. But for right now, if you are the the best potential piece in a bullpen as Doval is. I need to feel like you are confident that you can get every man out, no matter they're left-handed, right-handed. They hit fastballs. They hit sliders. And it just seems like he doesn't trust his stuff right now. And he could be going through a lull. The Giants have been going through a lull for about a month and a half. But I need to see some sort of some sort of confidence in that bullpen that just was there, of course, all of last season, and this year isn't. And... Maybe it's somebody, I mean, I don't know, there's not a lot of veterans like towards the back end of the bullpen. Those guys spend a lot of time together. They're trying to figure things out. But someone needs to step up, not necessarily in a vocal way, 
but just to be able to go out on the mound and go get you three outs and say, hey, guys, you know what? Sixth inning, I know we're down 3-1 to one to the Dodgers. Our starter didn't have his best stuff today like Alex Wood. He goes four innings. Bullpen's got to fill six. I need that first guy in the fifth to come out and not K the side, but pump strikes, locate, show me that you know what you're doing out there on the mound against a Dodger team that's difficult to do it against. But if you can find a way to at least steady the ship when things are beginning to teeter, when the ship's beginning to rock, that is what makes me feel comfortable as a fan. And there's just none of that right now. No, they just don't have it. You know, the one... So I'm not a big sabermetrics. I'm not a big... I don't get into all of the sort of new math, as I like to say, when it comes to Major League Baseball and professional sports, for that matter, right across the board. Old math kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. Old media, yeah. But the one thing that I learned over the last, like, what was it, two weeks? I know it's been out there, but I sort of got into is this this FIP, fielding, uh, what is it, field independent pitching. I wrote my thesis on FIP. (laughs) Swear to God. No, you didn't. Swear to God. Yep. Please tell me you didn't. I was an economics uh, major in college, graduated 2016, wrote my thesis in economics on fielding independent pitching. Seriously? Yep. In what regard? Like how everything you... about it, about what, about its value, about how it should be. <laughs> the... <laughs> I swear, man, I was I was on the forefront of FIP. I'll tell you that right now. Wow, was there any doubt that you were going to be the sort of person you were that is a sportscaster <laughs> or diving into this profession? But so you know it better than I. I want to pick your brain. Here is where the San Francisco Giants are when it comes to FIP. Once again, fielding independent p- pitching. By the way, just b- I'm giving you the full on definition. Focus is solely on the events of a pitcher has the most control over, which is strikeouts, unintentional walks, hit by pitches, and home runs. The three true outcomes. San Francisco Giants starting rotation, number one in Major League Baseball when it comes to FIP. What does that tell you? Is that the defense sucks. They induce guys into ground balls. It's just Tyro Estrada can't pick it clean. They are jamming dudes. It's just the... You know, it's just the, it's the Evan Longoria can't can't field is throwing high to first. They are number one in FIP, which tells you that the pitchers are doing their – well, you tell me. Yep. Explain that statistic to me. How can you be number one in pitching and be a team that's struggling as, as much as the Giants are? It's the same reason why in football sometimes you can be a top three offense, a top top three defense, and potentially not make the playoffs if you have an abysmal special teams unit that mm. does not put you in positions to succeed. FIP preach field, fit, preach fit. fielding independent pitching is not the end all be all, and I've I've learned a little bit more since I, I did get on board with FIP about six seven years ago. I have learned that there are some metrics that are a little more all-encompassing, but it's a great baseline. It's a great barometer for where your pitching staff is. And if you're telling me that the Giants are number one, that means that you're spot on. The pitching is doing its job. In addition to the defense not holding up its end of the bargain, to me, I'm looking at what are the Giants pitching doing with two outs? What are they doing with runners in scoring position? They have been... Less clutch, I guess you could say, than last season because they're getting guys out, but they're not getting guys out when they need to be. And those two strike counts are not maximizing the amount of, you know, shutdown innings that they need to. When a, when an opponent goes out, and, or I should say, when the Giants go out and score three next inning, that's a shutdown inning opportunity to try and pull momentum back within the nine inning game. They're not doing that, so it's a more situational spot where they may be great at, you know. 
you're looking at the spreadsheet. They get outs. They limit batting average. They limit home runs, which is the most important thing to do nowadays in 2022. But they are not getting those clutch outs. And I think that's why we're seeing them lose a lot of the one or two run games that they didn't lose virtually at all last year. I know they weren't 72 and 7, but they were damn near close to that. They were very, very good in tight spots last year. And maybe that's why I don't feel comfortable when there's you know, a two-out, runner-on-second, runner-on-third situation, it's last year, all right, night-night, I'll be back, I gotta go heat up something in the microwave, and uh, I'll be back because I know the Giants are getting out of this inning. This year, it's, well, I, I gotta stick through and watch this at-bat, and I might not be watching this at-bat, I might be watching the next at-bat, I might be watching two or three more at-bats, because I don't trust them to get the outs. So, as much as I appreciate, and I very much do, because I don't get a chance to talk about FIP a whole lot at this station, and really anywhere, because... You know, people who just aren't as nerdy as I am. Um, You are right that that is a great sign for their pitching staff that it will eventually regress in a positive direction to the mean. But you need those other two Mm. pieces. You need the bullpen. You need those clutch spots. You need the defense to play complementary baseball. I know we don't think about it like that as much, but that's what that tells me about FIP, that the pitching, specifically the starting pitching, is getting outs but they're not getting the outs when they need them, and that's what baseball comes down to. Here's another statistic that might be a little bit antiquated. What do you think of batting average, Mr. Phipp? Is batting average a little sort of... I mean, they've been doing that for the last 100 years, certainly since I've been alive. But when you think about it, a guy hits a three-run jack to win a game, and it counts just as much as a scratch infield single. You know what I mean? They don't necessarily wait or differentiate one hit from the other when you're accumulating a batting average, right? A guy's hitting 250. And another guy's hitting 250, but can be much more effective. I mean, is the batting average sort of something that we need to sort of move away from and get into something that's a little bit more accurate? I, I think I think batting average, along with FIP, like they're, they're good baseline stats. So if you, especially nowadays, with how few of these players we see, if I tell you, hey, Austin Slater right now is hitting 300, that tells you that Austin Slater's a pretty good hitter, especially yeah. considering how few 300 hitters there are in baseball. So it's not like. I'm going to say, oh, he is a 300 hitter for his whole career, or he is whatever his you know career average is over the, the large sample size. But in the moment, I think it's a great conversation starter, as all, in my opinion, statistics should be. They are not, you are not your statistic, but it, it can be the conversation to a larger discussion, right? Batting average shouldn't be the only thing that defines you as a hitter. It should also be about how much you get on base. What is your slugging? How many bases do you accumulate total? And then how do you combine that into OPS? I know people like to use OPS a lot. I was watching the Sunday night broadcast on ESPN and Carl Ravage continuously hitting me over and over the head with OPS. And I'm like, stop it. Because (laughs) although, sure, 850 is better than 800, what are you doing in two-out situations? Yep. What are you doing against lefties? What, like, There's so much more information at our hands that we can use that I think batting average is useful, but it shouldn't be the end-all, be-all for a hitter. I want to talk a little bit more about this because I find it fascinating. I had no idea you wrote your thesis on FIP. <laughs> that is beautiful. All right, my man Evan Giddings. We'll find out how he did on this thesis, but I want to get into some of these baseball nerdy numbers. And we'll move off on this. I know you guys want to get into the Niners. We'll talk a little bit more about the Giants, but I do. And speaking of which, here, here's something just to serve up for you out there. When you think about the Giants and the Dodgers that will conclude the series today, are you into the rivalry? And if not, what's the best rivalry going right now in the Bay Area? Talk to me. 
Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. What's the what's a rivalry where you're like, yeah, beat the crap out of these guys because I simply don't like it. Is it Memphis? Is it the Seahawks in the NFL? Or is it the Los Angeles Dodgers? We continue the conversation. Evan Giddings and Dan Avone here on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 